0: You want to onboard as many people as possible um, and for that purpose we built this wallet which you know it's never meant to hold a lot of funds right it's it's meant to, as a gateway for people to come in and try lightning and you know see how cool it is if you can instantly transfer it you can basically create this experience or like this this I guess this paradigm of like just moving money to an exchange when you execute a trade and then remove the money once you're done trading And that basically removes all the counterparty risk that you would take if you wouldn't have these things in settlements. If you think about the wallet and the synthetics, the 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 exchange is where all the sort of magic happens, and these other product uh, yeah products are just kind of kind of satellites that connect to the um to this uh, to this sort of core engine. It's not the best solution, but it's a good solution to solve this problem that we like that we think we need to solve, which is get people on using this P2P payments network.
1: Constantine is the co-founder of Collider, a lightning powered Bitcoin derivatives platform that also offers a browser extension wallet, synthetic fiat stablecoins, and a paid Nostra relay. In our conversation, we explored the value of instant settlement for Bitcoin exchanges. We discussed lightning adoption to date. We explored how Collider's wallet and paid subscription-based Nostra relay work And then we discuss how all of the different pieces of Collider's business fit together. If you enjoy this episode and if you learn something new, the best way that you can show your support for the show is by sending in sats over the Lightning Network. You can use any podcasting 2.0 app to do that. There are dozens of them out there, but my favorite one to use is Fountain. Before we get into today's show, just a quick message from our sponsors. Today's show is sponsored by Voltage. Voltage is the premier provider of Bitcoin and lightning node infrastructure. Today's show is also sponsored by Stackwork and Stackwork is a lightning powered transcription tool that takes the best of AIs and humans to create better, faster, and less expensive transcripts. We'll have more from voltage and Stackwork later in the show. Constantine, welcome to the show. We have a lot to discuss about all the work you're doing at Collider, but before we break down all the different business units and all the things you're up to. Let's step back and give folks uh, a better understanding of why you first decided to build Collider.
0: Absolutely. Thanks uh, for having me, Kevin. Um, so the backstory of Collider on myself, um, I started in crypto in 2017, um, working for a market making firm, a large market making firm, firm now, uh, which is called B2C2. And I joined them as a software engineer and I was building um, their wallet infrastructure or blockchain infrastructure and um, settlement system. So they moved a lot of money across exchanges and that basically most of their work went into building this infrastructure rather than actually um, building a you know super difficult algorithm. Uh, it was more like, how can we move money quicker than anyone else? So I was mostly like involved with that um, and obviously like learn how, how these people like move funds and how they sort of operate. And that was super interesting. Um, But then I uh, left B2C to uh, and joined a uh, crypto uh, derivative exchange, um, sort of at the end of um, 2018. Um, and that was sort of a traditional crypto exchange or derivative exchange. And there I was basically building their sort of trading engines, um, margining engine, risk engines, uh, which was super interesting. Um, however, it was really like you know, just another. Uh, exchange so there was nothing really that was um you know unique about it other than you know they did some you know s- cool stuff of like um super fast infrastructure and so on really geared towards institutions but yeah i mean it was it wasn't really anything special um and yeah so i left that place um in end of t- 2019 and that's sort of also when i uh, started building collider and basically the reason um we start collider was pretty much because of sort of the experience that we sort of gathered uh, in these sort of institutions slash like, you know, traditional um, companies is that um, there's a problem with um, the way people sort of interact with exchanges. Like if you're a trader or if you just read well, if you, if you're a professional trader or institutional trader or a, um, a retail trader, the, uh, the paradigm that these exchanges sort of like put on people is that, you know, you have to deposit funds and then you can trade. Um, and so they're incentivized to keep you there for as long as they can to extract most value out of you. So, you know, that basically creates an incentive for users to just leave their funds on the exchanges. And, you know, that, that basically creates massive honeypots. Um, people are careless, you know, they don't think about it. These exchanges get hacked, um, you know, inevitably. And you know, it's sort of a um, you know, it's sort of the the unsystematic risk that people take, that they shouldn't, you know, they they can't, they, they don't have to take that risk by just basically just using the exchange as a place of execution and um rather than just a place where they hold their funds, right? Exchanges are for trading, not for your you know, as a wallet. And as such, they actually function great. But the problem is that the whole like way um these exchanges basically operate. And we sort of discovered that the limiting factor of why this doesn't really work is because the, the base layers, the base chains are way too, uh, too slow. So like, you know, move you move your funds to an exchange, you know, take some time removing it, takes some time to cost fees. If you do it multiple times um, a day, and it's just the same for like retail users and, and, and um, sort of more the uh, institutional clients, you know, it just gets really expensive and, and you know, you can't really rely on it um, because, you know, there might be network congestions and so on. So basically, you know, from that point of view, it's, it's not really sort of like uh, feasible to do that um, unless you have instant transactions. Um, and so that's sort of how we sort of like write the lightning network because it's built on Bitcoin, which is, you know, the most, you know, basically the, 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 the asset that's been used most for, um, you know, settlements or just generally the most stable and, um, you know, by market cap, the largest uh, 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 cryptocurrency if you can instantly transfer it, you can basically create this experience or like this, this, I guess this paradigm of like just moving money to an exchange when you execute a trade and then remove the money once you're done trading. And that basically removes all the counterparty risk that you would take if you wouldn't have these instant settlements. Um, so yeah, so we decided to build a, a trading venue that sort of uses this instant settlement and basically has this idea so that people don't have a balance on the exchange, they only have positions. So when people are done trading, the money is basically pushed back into their uh, non-custodial wallet, if you will. And so that's how we sort of it all started, right? Because of that frustration of this, um, the way these sort of exchanges work. And um, yeah, so we, we started building Collider end of 2019. And we just launched, not just, but last October. We were in Alpha for a long time because we had to sort of battle test the technology. It's a full-blown exchange, which is quite complex to build. Um so we had to really you know make sure that everything is right. Uh but last October we launched Exchange. And um yeah in the meantime lots of lots of things happened. Um but you know let's dive into these other things uh, later. Uh but that's basically the re the, the, the sort of how we came to you know came to building Collider.
1: Very cool. I wanna first I, I wanna get into lightning and we'll get into all the different uh features, but I wanna focus in on the point you made about, you know, exchanges not necessarily being incentivized to like get help customers get their funds off the exchange. Yeah. Um, why Why aren't, you know, even putting the instant settlement aside, why aren't there more, you know, Bitcoin exchanges that will like automatically send funds out to your wallet as soon as you've made a trade and like not let you keep funds on the platform? Because that's something I I basically never see but I, I have tried out collider and i have i've played around with that feature where you can kind of like sweep funds instantly as soon as a trade is made but why why can't that still exist on chain even with the you know 10 minute delays
0: i mean yeah it's, it's a good question i i think um you know i you know i think there's i think there's two problem uh, there's two two parts of this problem like one is obviously um, a lot of these these exchanges they do serious compliance and like, um, you know, checks on, you know, these sort of like deposits and withdrawals. Um, so that which adds latency and just complexity. Um, but also I would say that it's not very, um, you know, I, I think it's on a user point of view, again, like they have to pay on chain fees. They have to, you know, they have to wait and, you know until this, this payment clears and it's, you know, it's not necessarily. I would say great user experience, and, and I think it has become sort of industry standard, and users just accept it. Um, so no one really bothers about this um, too much. But um, yeah, I think I think you know this is this is sort of. Um, I think it, you know it just it, it requires one one event to make you know to, to sort of like show that this this sort of way of you know how exchanges work is just not really good. And I think we have seen it now with Bitcoin transactions being uh, you know, con- conge- congested and-, and so on. So now these bigger players like realize, oh, you know, actually, the Lightning Network actually, you know, might be quite good in these scenarios. But, you know, they're kind of reactive. They're not proactive. The, you know, they started out that way that, you know, mm-hmm. they stayed that way. And I think what needs to happen is someone like Collider to come in and say, look, I mean, this is a much better model, you know, and, and users approve of it. And then they sort of follow suit or like there's actually, you know, yeah, there's actually some event that makes them, um, you know, like realize that that doesn't you know, scale, I guess.
1: So, so you guys are taking this like kind of proactive approach, kind of, I, I look at it as kind of like you're, you're like a, a Bitcoin native exchange. And I use that term to kind of mean that you're, you're taking the approach that Bitcoiners would like other exchanges to take, which is to not custody funds and to, to like encourage people to take funds back themselves once their trade is complete. Um, now I, but I want to get into, you know, the instant settlement piece of this and why that's important. So you said you, you kind of saw lightning and, and noticed that that was kind of a, a tool that you could use to, uh, fulfill the vision you had for this kind of instant settlement and, and sweeping of funds. Um, when you first started using Lightning, you know what were you thinking that it would accomplish, and and has it lived up to the the expectations you had on day one back in you know 2019 uh, when you first set out?
0: Yeah, I, th- I think um, you know my all ex- expectation was that you know we, we basically make that possible. People, you know, when they want they see they see they see opportunity, or you know from a retail point of view they see an opportunity. They want to get in. All they have to do is scan that QR code and they'll be like exposed to whatever price they want to trade. I mean, that was the initial idea. And, you know, Lightning really lived up to this because it does work. And I, I you know, I think the, the, the experience that people get on Collide is, I think, incredible. Um, and so, so, you know, that was, you know, you know, that, that sort of completely fulfilled our expectations. Um, and, um, yeah, I, I, th- I think, I, I think, um, um, I guess going forward, um, you know, I think there's there's so much sort of being added to, to Lightning to to even sort of improve these um, these you know the, the, the way it works. So obviously, there, there was there's definitely problems that we are facing throughout this whole journey. You know, of scalability issues of, of making this actually work at scale, because you know even even your Lightning node is constrained by certain factors, like you know how many you know, how many invoices they can generate per second or whatever. So, you know, there was definitely problems, but like, you know, all these things have been sort of resolved um, as we were going on, as we were building, um, you know, because, you know, obviously that, that Lightning Lightning Labs super active on like improving their things. And now it's been incredible because we, you know, at the beginning we were like doing a lot of maintenance on the nodes. Uh, we were, you know, adding, you know, some, high level features to like make it work for us. But now it has been really like just running itself, um, which is you know incredible. Um, we had zero problems. So, you know, it really did sort of live up to what we were expecting, um, you know, at the beginning. But now obviously, you know, there's there's sort of next, you know, what's the next thing gonna, gonna be? I think that's sort of what our like, you know, most in our heads, um, because sort of we achieved what we wanted to do. And now, you know, what can we do? And also, um, you know, is this satellite infrastructure, um, you know, you know, is is it possible that actually like, institutions use this, you know, as a, as a, as a, as a you know, as a global, uh, you know, uh, clearing sort of system? And yeah, I mean, you know, there's definitely features missing right now, but I think now since institutions are getting sort of not aware, you know, of its existence, they're actually talking to us. So we actually having... You know, Mark and Mega speaking to us and telling us, you know, Lightning needs to have these, these, and these features, which is which is great. You know, I mean, you know, it came a long way basically to get there, because obviously at the beginning there was nothing. There was um, mm-hmm. no one really wanted to sort of like engage with with that because it was a non-problem, I guess.
1: Yeah. yeah. Now, in the last couple of weeks, we've seen fees on Bitcoin's main chain dramatically grow uh, to the point where people are can cannot stop talking about it on Twitter and everyone is in this high fee environment mindset and there's there's a lot of hot takes and predictions about where bitcoin heads next. What I want to hear from you is whether or not you saw any changes to colliders business being a lightning native business in that last week or so. Like when fees really picked up did you see, you know, volumes increase or decrease or any changes to your node or any any challenges in that kind of like tense environment that we've had in the last week or two?
0: Um, no, which which is I guess a good thing because trading just went on as per usual. There was zero sort of effect on us uh, because we we're using lightning. I mean, we had some issues of force closes uh, being very expensive, um, but I mean, beside that, like you know, business you know, commences as usual. Which exactly. Is the reason why people should have it as sort of their way of um, you know um, interacting with exchanges is because of exact that reason, um, and it's 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 kind of funny that people just now realize that this is necessary because Bitcoin on a base layer was never going to you know scale, um, which is interesting. Um, but I, I think this is exactly what I said at the beginning, like these bigger players like Binance and you know. Um, Gemini. I mean, they're all reactive; they're not proactive. They 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 wait for like an event like this to come to actually think, ah, oh, you know, like that's that makes sense. So, you know, that's I guess why they're now working adding Lightning is because of that you know, reason. You know.
1: And now, you know, when you think about Lightning moving forward, um, you mentioned there's you know potentially features that you would like to see, and you know it's not perfect today. Um, yeah. What comes to mind? What what things can you enable with Lightning moving forward, or what things do you hope to enable?
0: I mean, so I'm mostly right now, because as I said, like we're talking to more institutional traders and wanting to sort of uh, use our platform and what they kind of want to know, basically need is a more, um, I guess, secure uh, setup, which Lightning right now as is, um, doesn't really enable. I mean, as an example, um, so obviously the the node itself is a hot wallet, um, but, um, you know, that's fine in a way, you know. Uh, that's not necessarily a problem, but for example, features uh, like um, make payments only be able to route to one other node because if someone takes control of that node, you know, they're concerned that they just drain a node to some other node and network, um, you know, because they can, right? It's just routes through. Um, obviously, you can just then argue, well, we'll just have like a two node setup where, you know, you basically have the trader, the, the institutions node and your collider node and they're just basically stream payments in between each other problem with this is you don't really take advantage of the routing network because you kind of always have to swap in funds or, or loop out funds um, as, you know, as P&L changes. So you kind of want to have your node connected to other nodes. But basically they want it so that, you know, these payments can only be routed to one node and they can be locked to that, for example. That's one feature that so they were asking for. Um, uh, which is quite important. So it's it's all about security, I would say, and like for these very specific applications of you know large channels being dedicated for a single purpose. Um, and yeah, so that's sort of you know something I, I would like to see in the future, uh, which I'm sure will be you know sort of like uh, built eventually. Um, it's just like obviously we have to do the you know the the base base work first, but you know. It's, it's not necessarily the turn, but it's it's like feature stay. So for, for example, want to see.
1: Yeah, that makes sense. Okay. Now you've, you mentioned the exchange and kind of professional traders using that. You have a number of different products at Collider though. You have, you have a wallet, you have a feature that allows people to uh, peg their balances in a synthetic uh, dollar. You have a Nostr integration, a relay. Um, mm. Talk to me about, all these different components at Collider, can you give listeners just a background of how they all connect to each other?
0: Yeah, so so Collider I, I would I would look at it as a platform as a base layer. It's sort of the, the underlying engine that that basically powers everything else. Maybe not the Noster stuff because that's sort of separate. But um, if you think about the wallet and the synthetics, the, the exchange is where all the sort of magic happens, and these other product uh, yeah products are just kind of kind of like satellites connect to the um to this uh to this sort of core engine um and so we built Cloud exchange um which is offers derivatives um and the most natural application for derivatives is hedging you know stability and we realized like in the last two years working on lightning is a lot of users use obviously uh lightning for payments and even um, especially now where all these sort of like you know, developing countries adopt lightning to, you know, go about their daily life, you know, they need stability. So this derivatives exchange is a very natural application to stabilize Bitcoin because, you know, this product that we are trading, this inverse perpetual swap is basically, um, you know, a, you know, I guess a hedge against, you know, the Bitcoin fluctuation against any sort of fiat currency, depending on uh, what, what pair you're trading. so we realized that and, you know, thought, well, we couldn't offer this product completely sort of abstracted away as a wallet where people swap in and out of a fiat currency. But what actually happens is if you buy a dollar on Collider wallet, you execute a short trade on Collider exchange. So the wallet and the exchange talk to each other. And um, that basically creates a very organic um, sort of trade flow from the wallet to the um, the exchange and we can really separate the the user uh, uh, the user base between like professional traders and retail sort of like customers that just use the light network, you know, for payments, you know, the, 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 the most obvious application. Um, and the wallet itself has many features. Like we just shipped one, which we're super like proud of, which is the first, uh, dollar cost averaging feature for synthetics. Um, but like one, one of the features is you can, um, you can manage your Nosta keys within that wallet so um, you can plug in your your keys and then if you have a Noster client that integrates this um this you know the, the, this connection socket between the wallet and a browser browser extension and and the, the client you know you can connect basically and all the messages are signed in the wallet and not on a platform so you don't have to put the your keys into the to the client so you can keep them saved in the wallet um and yeah so that that's that's of the, the Nosta side and then we did a small experiment um, where we sort of, sort of filled around with the business model of Noster relays and sort of led us to build the first subscription-based NOSTA relay. Uh, the first couple of relays that came out uh, were basically either free or you had to be, uh, pay as um, an admission fee, right? But that's sort of one-off fee that, you know, you, you have to pay once and then never again, which makes sense, I think. But ultimately, you kind of want to, you wanna, you know, the, 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 the NOS operator, NOS Relay operator needs to have, you know, a continuous sort of like income in order to improve and maintain the service. So we thought like subscription is sort of the next step up from that, you know, people get so continuously so sort of payments from their users um, to, you know, provide like a supreme experience, you know, spam filtering, you know, and so on. So yeah, we built this sort of like as a sort of experiment, um, but that's sort of completely separate from the exchange, but it is sort of in the, you know, our own wallet obviously connects to that uh, relay, but um, the wallet itself basically allows you to manage Nostar not keys. Um, so that's sort of the, the connection between those. And that's pretty much right now, the um, so the, the product stack of, of Collider. And we have also this um, open source project that we maintain, which is called LDUpX, which is pretty much a, uh, I guess a, so there was, back in the days, like when, when Blue Wallet came about, they built this other project, which, which, which was called uh, LND Hub, which is basically just a, a custodial lightning um, service, um, which is open source. And this was basically powering Blue Wallet. And we basically extended this uh, to add the synthetic, um, synthetic, synthetic fiat accounts to it. So basically anyone can run this LND Hub X project to give their users um, synthetic accounts, uh, fiat accounts. Um, it's a little bit like Ellen Bits, um, uh, the way it works, but yeah. So we also have that, but that's an open source project, and that's also the project that is basically we deployed, and that's powering our wallet. But that, you know, that part of the of the, um, the you know the product is open source. So yeah, so that's sort of the overview of the um, <coughs> the the exchange and the wallet and this open source project.
1: Yeah, that makes sense. Okay, let's start with the exchange. Um you mentioned this is kind of like a venue primarily for professional traders and more more advanced and sophisticated traders. Um what are the most popular kind of markets on the exchange right now? Cuz I believe you have a few different ones.
0: Yeah, we do. We we only have two right now though. I, we we did a bit of a um sort of a change in sort of strategy because obviously um as we were launching the exchange, we only started one product which was the BTC USD pair which is also the most popular one uh, for obvious reasons. I mean, it's, you know, most liquid um, asset just generally in the world, the crypto world. Um, and so we we used to like list ETH, uh, USD, and like, you know, all these sort of other um, chains, but we really sort of wanted to start concentrating our liquidity on the most important pairs um, and also pairs that are only Bitcoin pairs because the synthetic um, stablecoin, which we are super bullish about and which we'll be pushing, relies on ha- on having these um, Bitcoin to some fiat pair. So for example, we currently have two pairs, which is the Bitcoin USD and the Bitcoin Euro. And that, that basically allows us to create a, um, a USD and Euro synthetic account because we have these two pairs. So if you buy Euros, it would, uh, it would short a uh, BTC Euro uh, contract on the exchange and going forward, what we will um, likely will do is to add more of these BTC um, pairs, for example, BTC um, yen, BTC um, Canadian dollar, for example, you know, just to make, give us the ability to have more synthetic fiat currencies. Um, so this is sort of what we're doing right now. And that's sort of the, the these two products that we're currently having. And, and so that's what we're going right now with, you know, our current um, sort of strategy.
1: Yeah. And then, You know, when you think about over the last few years uh, and you look at volume from a uh, from the exchange's perspective. So think about like just just traders um, using the exchange. Are you noticing any patterns of like, you know, how volume ebbs and flows? Is it grown over time consistently? Does it, you know, flood in and flood out with the with the Bitcoin price? What is that kind of relationship like between, you know prices and activity in the markets and then your volume and kind of like flow of, of liquidity
0: Yeah so um, generally is you know, volume almost always doubles on days where Bitcoin is green like there's always this correlation uh, where's a massive spike in volume when Bitcoin pumps. But yeah over the, over the over the, um, so the the cause of our existence, Obviously, we have been, you know, in sort of like alpha beta stage for quite a while where we obviously were very careful with amounts and so on. We're uh, onboarding people slowly, uh, but we we're, we were able to like gradually increase the volume. And because we also, um, you know, we are constrained obviously with liquidity because we are our own sort of order book and we have to make sure that liquidity is always in the book. Um, we spend a lot of time basically um, getting like market makers on board because, you know, we're kind of relying on their sort of... Um, you know, their ability to provide liquidity um, to grow. And yeah, it's just, I, I guess within, I would say last six months, there has been a massive sort of interest from sort of these guys to interact with, um, with Lightning and especially on the synthetic stablecoin side, because they, they like this idea of taking the opposite side because obviously they are sort of on a speculative um, sort of side. And um, the users don't want the stability, they want stability So they're on the other side. So they are particularly looking for making markets against the synthetic um, uh, stable coin. So we, we um, yeah, we basically have seen quite the interest, like quite the increased interest of these sort of more institutional clients to come on and basically make markets because of, you know, this sort of whole sort of. Um, um, Renaissance of Bitcoin, where there's a lot of like new stuff happening. There's a you know, there's these all these like markets, emerging markets growing, you know, adopting Bitcoin to do payments and and, you know, to store value um, and to access just general financial markets. So, definitely, so there was you know, definitely a long time between you know, 2019 and when you know, until we actually saw this sort of spike or like this inflection point where Lightning really kicked off. And from then on, we're basically growing, you know, really, really like, you know, sort of exponentially in terms of like volume from, you know, from that point. But it was a long like time to basically try to convince people that that's sort of the way to go on the institutional side.
1: Right. Now, I I have a question about the wallet and the, you know, the trade that happens behind the scenes when someone converts into dollars. So yeah. If I've converted into dollars, and I'm just like, I'm just a consumer, right? I'm not like a professional trader or a market maker. If you have a bunch of consumers that are converting into dollars, they're taking a short BTC position. Uh, is that is that adding value then to the traders on the exchange that there's this like constant demand for for one position?
0: Yeah. So I guess what a lot of people argue is that in you know, that will will. Generate a lot of like downward pressure because a lot of short orders come in because people swapping into um, fiat currencies and then creating a massive, I guess, short position on the exchange, um, or like more short pressure. Um, the, the positions are always neutral, but you know that's sort of the concern of a lot of people. But the reality of that is that um, you know the market makers that trade against that they pull in liquidity from other exchanges like OKX. You know they, they go they go um, you know they, they go long on Collider but then they will short on OKX to hedge that. So tapping into another liquidity pool, which it's it's you know very simple because um, you know also OKX implements Lightning although not like in a in a very nice way right now. But like ultimately I, I think they'll come around to doing it properly. But you know these market makers they have no issue of like hedging that export like this sort of like demand on other exchanges and these other exchanges. Especially BTC USD is the most liquid um, derivative in the world, so there's never any problem of not actually filling that demand of people swapping in uh, into into USDT. You know, it's obviously you know it's possible, but I would say it's unlikely.
1: Right. Okay. Um, now let's get into the wallet. Then uh, you know, I I want to understand what. You expect consumers to be able to do with, you know, once they've swapped into dollars. Are, are you thinking about like potential then applications for them to spend those dollars or to to do things with them beyond just that initial swap?
0: Yeah. So, so we just, uh, as I said uh, uh, before, uh, we just released feature for dollar cost averaging. We basically you, you swap into fiat and then so the fiat and then over time you swap back into Bitcoin. Uh, right, so so you, you you get you you know you get a, a synthetic fiat value on the wallet, and then you dollar cost average over time buying back your Sats, obviously for you know prices at that time. So that's for example a a application that can just live within the wallet, um, you know. But other applications, um, you know, I guess ultimately it's payments. So any marketplaces um, that you know accept Bitcoin, people can spend directly from their fiat accounts. Um, which is quite a cool experience. Um, and, um, uh, but yeah, so yeah, I mean, within the wallet, I guess you can also obviously receive zaps. So, you know, we'll paste that zaps on, on Nostra, which is another application, um, that it supports. Uh, so yeah, I mean, yeah, I guess generally I think the wallet shouldn't, you know, shouldn't have like in too many features. I think it should do like one thing quite well, which is, you know have a spending sort of a spending platform for your sats um but i mean yeah i guess that's sort of like what we're doing right now at least sort of on the on the feature side to kind of make it interactive or have some sort of like ways of like using your um lightning bitcoin
1: that's cool so so i want to make sure i have it correct that if i hold a us dollar balance in my collider wallet and i want to spend bitcoin or some some merchant is is you know, offering me a product or service and it's, it's paid in Bitcoin, I can, I can still spend out of my Collider wallet and a swap happens at the moment it's sent out. Is that correct?
0: Yeah, exactly. So in the, in the moment, so when, when you get an invoice from your merchant, it will, um, it will basically be um, converted into dollars if you want to spend from your dollar um, account. And then we basically, you know, Deduct that dollar amount from your dollar balance, but then also reversing that short trade to unlock Sats for that amount, and then send these Sats to to the merchant. In that moment in time when the the, the invoice is provided to Collider Wallet, Very so it basically cool. happens all all behind. You know there will there's a basically like you said there's a swap that swaps back your um, USD into uh, uh, Bitcoin, and then the Bitcoin are sent to the to the merchant.
1: Right. What are the implications for reporting and taxes and kind of like compliance stuff associated with these all these swaps? I mean, I imagine at small volumes, it's not super important for some people, but I know at large volumes, and especially if you're dealing with professional traders, or if you're starting to deal with people who are, are sending and receiving a ton of money between swapping between Bitcoin and dollars, these things start to matter. Um you know, what does it change at all the requirements for someone to, you know, incur a capital gain if you're if you're swapping instantly at at the point of sale?
0: Yeah, I think I think you will be like susceptible to the, the exact same rules because you're ultimately, um, yeah, you're trading in and out of a different um, asset. So, you know, even though I, yeah, it's I can, really can, just
1: a Bitcoin short position.
0: Yeah, exactly. So you you um, I guess the rules would you know. Apply, but even even if you if you were buying dollars, you you would still have to pay tax on, you know, whatever capital gains you make on on, on that, um, you know, changing changing asset. Um, so I don't think there's any benefit on that, like to, that you you know lets you get around this this issue. Um, but again, I'm I'm, I'm you know I'm you know obviously oh, different different jurisdictions are different. Um, but yeah,
1: that's fair. Okay, now you know, one other question I have as it pertains to wallets is that I've seen now there's a a number of companies in the lightning space that are building out wallets in kind of like web browsers in -hmm. different ways. So, um, you know, there's Albi, which is one example, that's kind of like browser extension. You guys have a browser extension. I know you're doing slightly different things. Um, Mutiny is working on like a lightning node in the browser, yeah, um I know of mash is building out mash has basically wallets that are integrated on on directly on the websites of people, so for example, my website has a mash wallet on there, so anyone yeah. can can send SATs directly from the wallet without installing an extension. there's a lot of different approaches that are being taken mm-hmm. uh maybe this this ends up being. You know a lot of different solutions because there's a lot of different applications. But I'd love to hear your thoughts on why your kind of like browser extension, your exchange backend. Why is this the right approach?
0: I wouldn't say it's 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 a, the right approach. It's a approach with a strategy, I guess, which I think you know it's all all matters in a way. We we obviously have plans to sort of further develop the wallet backend, especially because I mean I agree that there's there's definitely uh, ways to make things much um you know much better in terms of security like um you know you know running a node in a browser obviously would be kind of amazing because you kind of you know have basically a completely um sovereign in, in a way but problem with this is then you also have them probably manage liquidity there's better tools to help you do that maybe but like um you know i, I think f- what we're currently doing, I guess, of what the, the wallet that we build it, is that we wanna onboard as many people as possible. Um and for that purpose we built this wallet which you know is never meant to hold a lot of funds, right? It's it's meant to as a gateway for people to come in and try Lightning and you know, see how cool it is. Um, you know, generally Lightning is is more of a day to day spending sort of like experience rather than place to hold their funds but even then i think right now our primary purpose of this wallet is to you know onboard people um, ultimately mm-hmm. i think what we like to do is to further sort of you know go towards um less custodial uh, um uh, solutions um whether that's a completely um i said node running for each user or whether it's Something more federated, you know, that that's also like something that we're looking into, um, you know, eCash, for example. I mean, that that's, that doesn't really solve the the custodial problem, but at least it has some sort of like distribution of risk. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, we're not, we're not. I wouldn't say this is the best solution in terms of, I would say like security, but it, it's definitely a good solution to um, onboard people, and that's sort of what we're trying to do with it. Um, that's on the wall, and that's the same, basically the same idea on the exchange, right? So, so our, well, we're coming from a very institutional sort of background where we know institutional players that you can't, you can't give them DLCs, right? They, you know, that's that, that's not going to work. Like, they need to have the same sort of like way to interact with platforms in order to use them. Um, so, what we're trying to do with the exchange is to like have a transition to like you know, first just make them use lightning, right? Because that's, they don't use lightning right now, but they won't use lightning if it's like super complicated and unusable, but like give them everything they need plus lightning to make it attractive to them. And then as time goes on, as more stuff gets developed um, and improved, you slowly moving to a better model, uh, which I I don't know what that will be, but this is sort of our idea behind this whole thing. It's like, it's not the best solution, but it's a good solution to solve this problem that we, like, that we think we need to solve, which is get people on using this P2P payments network because, you know, ultimately that's what we believe is sort of a way to do better business. So that's how we think about it right now. Um, but um, we're definitely not like mm-hmm. finished with what we, you know, what we want to do with it. I
1: hope you're enjoying the show so far. Just a quick message from our sponsor, Voltage. Voltage empowers engineers to integrate Bitcoin and Lightning Network payments into their business stack with an enterprise-grade experience. The team at Voltage is building the complete tool set so that you can do more than simply spin up nodes, but also understand and interpret your node's data. Their new product, Surge, gives engineers the capability to quickly solve problems and optimize operations. With node insights and visibility through time series data, you get dynamic and complex insights never available before. You can get complete control with insanely fast onboarding, advanced client-side encryption, and zero management infrastructure, making backups, networking, and upgrades simple. Get a free seven-day trial today at voltage.cloud. Now, on the topic of onboarding people, um, you mentioned that was a key focus for Collider. What are some of the successes that you've seen, you know, experiments you've run that have have managed to get a lot of new people using Collider? And what are some of the challenges, the things that are holding back adoption and that you can't quite figure out how to get new people?
0: Yeah, um, I think, you know, biggest successes we had, you know, you know obviously, like adding um, these synthetic um, synthetic fiat accounts, because that that's sort of like very novel for, for people. And um, you know, announcing sort of that feature back when we launched that wallet, we got a few thousand uh, signups just in a you know in a week or so, which was incredible. Um, so that that was amazing to see. Um, and then also on the exchange, like um, you know, being able, for example, to withdraw PL instantly uh, and sort of like um, perpetually is amazing. You know, people can't really do that. Um, so. You know, these features really sort of made a difference like people really say oh, yeah, yeah i want to use this this makes sense like i you know, that that that's that will make my life much easier and also makes me feel much more secure with my funds because i don't actually have to leave a lot of funds on the exchange so you know all, all the features that we're launching i got some of the features some of the features weren't that great but you know, there was definitely some features that really sort of like um you know kind of showcase the the power of you know, instant transaction on Bitcoin. Um, And um, in terms of challenges, uh, you know, I think there's this, obviously, this overarching challenge to, um, you know, that there's, I guess the the Bitcoin ecosystem is is very, very sort of like um, different to to others in a way that there is a lot of, um, I would say, um, um, it's, it's, it's very phil- philosophical in a way. Like you can't, um, you know, better solutions are not necessarily always welcome or like people just generally have ideas and, and are very sort of narrow-minded. And so i like basically convincing people to like move forward. I think that's always always a challenge on Bitcoin in a way because, um, you know, even Lightning had a hard time at the beginning to be adopted in a way by um, the Bitcoin community, but they now sort of managed to do that. So it, it, I would say it's just rigidity of general users, um, new, not new users. I would say I think new users come in super like pumped about it, but like basically converting old folk <laughs> into this sort of like um, sort of you know onboard those people onto these platforms. I guess that that's hard. Um, so yeah, I guess that's sort of the the, the, the mm-hmm. you know sort of bigger challenges that we're facing in terms of like user acquisition.
1: Okay, let's dive into the uh, synthetic fiat component of Collider. I think this is an interesting one, and I think it's it's probably worth kind of like stepping back for a second and talking through some of the you know tradeoffs here because it's yeah. synthetic fiat, right? It's not it's not U.S. dollars. It is pegged to a U.S. dollar, uh, but that comes with risks, and as we've seen, you know. The the things that have been proposed as as good as U.S. dollars in crypto mm-hmm. markets over the last year have sometimes not been true. Uh, in many cases, um, there yeah. are some cases where they have been true to to date, but there are other cases where things have depegged and you know fallen apart and blown up to zero. So I'd love to get uh, a sense for you know if you were to take the opposite side of promoting this synthetic fiat and, and, and try to really hone in on what are the big risks associated with it. I'd love for you to play devil's advocate there and just give people a, a sense for what risks they have if they are to to participate and use your synthetic uh, fiat dollar.
0: Yeah, so um, I, yeah, I guess there's, there's no perfect um, fiat model, like a fiat, fiat stablecoin model, and, and this synthetic one isn't you know isn't either, so I think there's there's a few risks associated with this, um, and I guess the most obvious one is when the the place where you hold the short position gets hacked. You know, so that's that's one thing. It's 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 the you know I guess the most obvious thing. If, if you have if you know if, if you have a synthetic stable coin that is sort of minted by Collider, the the, the position is held on Collider, and someone hacks Collider, takes all the money. Then your know, that position is gone. So that will basically um, is one risk. It's just counterparty risk. You know, there's always definitely ways to mitigate that. You know, you can decentralize that, um, maybe in the future. Uh, but that's sort of the first one. Then the, the other risk is um, the Bitcoin price just tanking, um, and that means, uh, I mean, it, it's sort of more on on a mathematical side. But you'll see that it, you know if if the price goes down there at some point, the price of the perpetual will exceed the number of Bitcoin in existence. So it breaks down that point, um, the the whole model. However, the problem, well, the the reason why that I think is fairly unlikely is just generally because I don't think that's going to happen without eradicating the entire crypto market. But also these... um, these um, the crypto exchanges where the the synthetics are sort of traded um, or basically hedged, they have sort of a risk mitigation sort of systems, uh, and it's likely that at point when the price goes down that much, it will it will um, they will do something which is called automated deleveraging, which basically means that these all these short positions are basically reversed uh, automatically. So the people on the winning side get the money back and the people losing side get their money back. So the people that have the stable coin, they just get back big bunch of Bitcoin. So that's the that's the, that's the worst that happens, which I think in my opinion is better than if you have other sort of stable coins. You know, for example Luna, you know, if, if this if this scenario happened you, you got a bunch of Luna, but that's you that's that's sort of like has no value in a way. Where I feel like Bitcoin has sort of a more bigger track record of value holding its value so you know the worst case scenario is that you get basically back your bitcoin and more obviously because you're obviously on the winning side if you hold a short trade and the price goes down you make a lot of bitcoin you know so you're basically getting stopped out you get a lot of bitcoin back but maybe the price goes further down and then obviously you have a deep peg because you know fiat would still be keeping its value as bitcoin goes down um so that's sort of the I guess the 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 seconds of risk of it is just um, you know Bitcoin price tanking, and then the third one is that it might not always be possible to actually enter a or buy a synthetic because there might not be enough um, people that want to go long on Bitcoin. You know that that's the that's also an obvious one. Like for example, on Collider, we have li- limited liquidity. That means that if someone wants to buy. A million uh, dollars right now on collider it wouldn't work because there's not there's not a million dollars worth of buying power in a book that would be able to go against that short right but the, the thing with this is that i mentioned that uh, before is that the, this market is so liquid that you know market makers they can easily pull liquidity from other bigger venues or from other venues generally like even bigger venues will have issues if this system sort of kicks off, kick, kicks off then it relies on the fact that it just pulls liquidity for this asset from many exchanges so these are sort of the three main risks right and um i guess again like in that scenario if this happens you know you just can't either you can't get out or in um into the stable coin um so yeah so that's that's um sort of the three three risks here and you know they're probable like, i'm i'm not i'm not oblivious to to that but i think it's a pretty good model Um, and yeah, I I think, you know, I think the, 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 the upside on this, the fact that it doesn't require any fiat banking system, it is just Bitcoin. I think it's, you know, it's sort of like, um, it, um, so for for me, I think outweighs the, 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 the dangers of it, but yeah, I mean, people should definitely be careful about this and be aware of, of the risks. And we actually, on our website, we have little interactive tool that actually shows what can go wrong, basically. So if anyone wants to check it out, you know, they can because, um, yeah, I mean, that, that, that's, that's, that's what it is.
1: Yeah, that's helpful. And I mean, I think, I think people are learning today that there is no such thing as risk-free, like, you know, you know, especially in the U.S. Um, with with the risk free rate and people have been kind of trained to believe that there is a things that uh, such a thing as risk free. And yeah. we're, we're seeing with, with bank failures that maybe that's not the case. Maybe maybe it's actually not true that you can you can actually eliminate risk from your life entirely. And and that would be, you know, in line with most other things in the world. It's, you know, being alive is a risk. You You could get hit by a bus. You know, you never know. There's there's all sorts of risks associated with every action, and so I think it's about mitigating them, being aware of them. Um, I, I do have a question though about the kind of, you know, I see a transition underway of uh, of dollars being digitized, and mm. this this is happening on a few different levels. And one one way it may happen is through central banks and their digital currencies. Another way it may happen is through you know. Tether, things like that, euro dollars, kind of like, you know, offshore dollar denominated assets, synthetic fiat. There's all sorts of ways now to denominate dollars. Um, and I know this is, this is you know, not, it doesn't have to be advice for people listening, but I'd love to hear your thoughts on, you know, weighing those risks. Is it, if if you had to hold all your wealth in dollars, would you be would you be more willing to hold it in the kind of traditional fiat system, or in the kind of like emerging crypto system? Where do you see the bigger risk?
0: I'll, you know, I think I think a couple a couple months ago, I would have said like I probably will hold it in an traditional system, but you know, given all the things that happen, I, I would I would not actually you know um, do that anymore. I would actually think that. Um, um you know holding it in in crypto um I, I guess I guess it's all about di- you know I, in my opinion diversification. Um and I, I think that's what is the synthetic um stablecoin that so uh, we are like you know very bullish about makes a lot of sense is because um you know I think there's no world where the synthetic stable coin can only be provided by collider. And I think that, that shouldn't be the case. It should be a consortium of like many, many exchanges that all basically, you know, provide the same stablecoin with their sort of liquidity pools. So if one goes down or one gets, you know, um, shut down by regulators, you know, the, the others can pull, um, you know, pull pull them out. Um, and I think it's the same in a, in a fiat system, like, um, especially like I mean, these, these 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 digital dollars that you mentioned. I mean, they're all basically minted by a centralized party, and, and they have. You know, they are. You never really know what's going on um, in in these sort of institutions. Whereas I think in crypto, it's also quite hard to understand what's going on a lot of times. But at least I think the, the information is accessible um, if you try hard enough. So, but even then, I think I, I would I would still basically try to sort of put my eggs and um, you know, not my um, putting all my eggs in one basket and sort of diversify my Portfolio of fiat um, currencies, even then, because um, yeah, I, I think none of these, like you said, there's always some risk and uh, it's all about like calculating that. And sometimes you can't really. So um, the best thing you can do is just to spread it out, distribute it. Um, so yeah, it's, you know, I guess sort of my, that's my stance, mm-hmm. stance um, at least.
1: Yeah, that's fair. It's, a, it's yeah it's a real it's an evolving situation. It's hard to know exactly what the right path is, but I uh, appreciate you talking about the risks of, of all the all the different approaches. Now, I think there's going to be some folks listening here wondering you know why are we talking about stable coins? We have the ultimate currency in Bitcoin, and that is the you know that is the thing we should be working towards and forget stable coins entirely. What is your view on? you know, the importance of stable coins in, in an economy, a digital economy that is crosses borders, that is not just in America. Um, what's your view on the importance of stable coins over time?
0: You know, I think it's incredibly important um, to sort of build a sort of functioning, you know, economy, um, you know, on a cryptocurrency because so long as there's no you know, there's no, you know, stability or at least volatility that is acceptable or akin to like traditional fiat currencies, I think it's really hard to make people rely, you know, with their livelihood on these currencies because, you know, like a lot of these, obviously these these currencies enable people to, in in countries that are, have a very weak banking system to access financial, financial markets and, you know, you're probably buying Bitcoin as opposed to, um, I don't know, pesos might be you know more stable or like, you know, I don't know. I don't really have the the numbers on this, but, you know, like, let's say it is, you know, that might be an improvement, but if you have the ability to have, have you know, have it as stable as a dollar, um, but don't actually have to, or, you know, can actually get it. Like you actually have it, have it available then. So at the moment, at least, you know, that's incredibly important to, to provide to people. Over time,' it's, it's probably also I mean it's hard to tell where this is going, but I would always you know, say there's some sort of like um, mechanism that allows people to mitigate risk, volatility risk like even if it's not actually hedging against another fiat currency, but basically having some sort of way to guarantee uh, a certain value. I think is very very important because um I think most of the you know most of the most of you know most of the the you know i guess users or generally people you know that are not necessarily speculators they they want to have the you know they want to have the stability and guarantee that they be able to you know make next month's payment um you know mortgage payment or car payment so I think, you know, I think it might, it might, in the end, it might not be a fiat currency, but it just might be some sort of financial vehicle that just allows people to have certainty because that's, I think, very important to, you know, the, the average consumer. Um, So this is sort Mm -hmm. of where I see this going. Um, And, you know, and I think it's great because you have that market enables both speculators and people that don't want to speculate you know, because there's enough above. So I think that works great.
1: Yeah. And there's a lot of people who are taking this approach. There's a number of stable coin and stable kind of like pegged assets that are being talked about and being issued already on Bitcoin. And of course, we've seen this in years past with more traditional stable coins like Tether and so on. But we have, I think Galoi has stable sats. They have a product, yeah. stable sats. Uh, Taro is constantly talked about and is like being worked on by Lightning Labs. And that potentially could be, there could be stable coins there as well. Um, How do you think Collider's, you know, strategy for stable coins fits in amongst these other uh,
0: Lightning native stable coin ideas? So so, um, StableStats is actually exact same um, product in a way. It's not a different idea. They do pretty much um, exactly the same thing. But what they do is um, stable sets is I guess just the software, and um, then you have Galois with their Bitcoin Beach wallet, which is now um, Blink. They they basically use you know OKX to get uh, to take these short positions. So that's the same thing. I mean they mm, could I they could. could they could just use Collider, right? Um, and ultimately, um, I hope they will um because the idea here uh, um what I mentioned before is that um, the idea behind the synthetic Stablecoin, that it there's not one exchange that takes all the short positions what what, what these wallets do that offer that to their um, customers the users is that they plug into a hundred different derivative exchanges and put like one percent there one percent there but one percent there uh, of their short position and then you know if one goes down then, you know they can maintain a s- small insurance fund um, to like pay for these like losses, right? So so there can be like really nice systems to like mitigate these uh, these problems. But essentially, this Stablesats, um project is exactly the same as Collider. I think what we build our um, our open source project is just a more compact version because when you use Stablesats, you have to pretty much run the entire Galois stack, which is extremely, um, yeah, it's it's quite difficult. So it's really lightweight our sort of um, version, and it, right now it only works with Collider, but like our idea is to obviously expand it to also work with OKX, work with Bit- Bit- Bitfinex, and so on. Um, so, so that is just you know just for for um, you know you know for for generally there's right now there's just one way of doing stable coins on Bitcoin, which is <clears throat> which is the synthetic one. I mean there is this this um, tarot asset. Um, or tether, which I guess you know are sort of fiat-backed stablecoins. That's how we call them because there actually is some mint that holds the fiat. Um, uh, so that that's tether. Um, but yeah, I guess that you know people obviously have to make then the decision. of, Okay, well, tether is tether. It's, it's a centralized company. You've seen you've seen what you've seen what, uh, what happened with USDC. USDC de pegged because of Silicon Valley Bank holding a lot of the this you know the 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 money backing these. These stable coins, right? I mean, that's the issue. I mean, people just have to be aware of the fact that, you know, there's just one company that is behind that. And if that sort of goes down, then basically the whole thing is uh, breaks. Um, and, you know, and Tarot, Tarot is basically just a way to tokenize synthetics, right? Right now, both stable sets and collider synthetics, they're not actually coins because they just exist as a balance on the wallet. So you can't actually send them around a the network. But once Tarot comes out, what anyone could do is to just tokenize these short positions. And then instead of actually, like I said, like what we're talking about is that people, when you, when you send USD to a merchant from Collider Wallet, like a swap happens. So you swap back into Sats uh, and then send the Sats. But if you tokenize these swap positions, you can directly send that token because maybe the, the, the merchant also just wants to accept Bitcoin. Uh, sorry, um, fiat. So they just get the fiat token, tarot token. But the position never changes. It's actually a more efficient way because you don't actually have to swap. You just keep it. You keep it as is. So then the, the, the merchant can come to Collier exchange and redeem it, their tarot uh, token back into Sats. So that's sort of right now the way sort of things work. So tarot is not out yet, but tarot ultimately will enable us to basically send tokenized synthetics through the network, on the light network, which is obviously super exciting.
1: Yeah, that's very helpful. Thank you for kind of breaking down the landscape there for folks. Um, I have another question. You brought up Tether. I I saw they released a report, kind of an attestation of their first quarter of 2023. And I don't remember the exact number. I I believe it was about a billion or $2 billion that they earned from their operation in, in that first quarter. Is this... First, I have to ask, is this something you view as sustainable? Like these 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 businesses that are allowing people to swap in and out of stable coins may have high profit margins. Is that is that correct? And then from Collider's perspective, do you view that as a moat? Do you view this, you know, every time someone's swapping between f- synthetic fiat into Bitcoin, you guys earn on that. Is that a moat for you? Is this something that you think can generate this big, like, you know, cash flow or sats flow
0: for the business? Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, and, and I guess that's exactly sort of, I guess, our sort of intention. I mean, we do have to, and the other day, we are a company. We we sort of need to generate revenue, and you know, for and and, and I think that's a service that is, you know, it, it's very it's very clear that the the the, the value proposition is super clear you know, you are providing a service of just like, you know, giving people, you know, that sort of other asset which they can't get otherwise and you charge a small fee with. And I think it's it's a great revenue model um, for anyone uh, who wants to sort of offer this service. And I guess I think over time it will become much more competitive that like even now anyone can build this and charge their own, you know, margin, which is obviously Tether has, you know, uh, a much more sort of like, Dominant markets of um, presence, and I guess they, they can charge a lot of money because they're the only other, like beside USDC, um, they're the only other company. But um, I, I think the demand will be smaller over time. But it will always be a really good, I guess, business model for companies. Um, and I hope that the, you know this is the reason why there will be a vast number of mints coming coming out that basically provide that service basically disputing the risks because all of them yeah, I guess work differently, uh, use different exchanges to settle or even different protocols to settle. So it will basically create yeah a very distributed network of synthetic fiat mints because it's a lucrative model but ultimately I guess you know margins will be thin and but still I guess you know you break even. but you know I, I think it is it is, a, it is, a very you know for lightning company, a Bitcoin company to to generate revenue, I think it's, it's quite good.
1: Okay. Let's finish this off with a discussion on Noster, because this is another component, it's kind of like an experimental thing you guys launched, but I want to give it some attention as well. Can you talk about, so you have this paid relay where you can, you can subscribe and pay SATs on, I believe a monthly basis. How does that subscription actually work behind the scenes?
0: Um, Yeah, so um, it's so basically the 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 relay itself um, obviously registers every public key that that wants to interact with it. So you know every user Nosta has a public key, and that's how they identify. And um, it basically just keeps track of you know how long someone is connected. And there's like every you know n weeks or whatever n period, um, it will basically just uh, send that wallet a an invoice through a Nosta direct message because we have the public key. We can directly speak to the user. So the user will see every month uh, a message from Collider, actually a little bit before the end of the month, uh, with an invoice. They can just pay uh, in their direct messages. Otherwise, they will be basically be um, hmm. kicked off the the relay, and that's pretty much it. It's super simple. <laughs> Um, but, yeah, it works. Yeah, it's an interesting way it, of it,
1: doing subscriptions.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, it would be nicer if, if, if there's a way to automatically um, pay it. Um, so, you know, there's some sort of way to have a, a white label payments, you know, like like a direct debit on um, – I'm not sure whether you have that in the, uh, in the U.S. or Canada. But, like, basically just making sure these payments come almost through. But yeah, right now we're kind of constrained to what's possible and the simplest way was um, just, you know, send a message with the, with the invoice and if they pay it, basically the, the interval gets renewed by one month. Otherwise, people, well, the, the address gets kicked off the, the relay. And that's
1: pretty much it. Very cool. Now, in the, in the last couple of months, so I believe you launched this, um, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it was in February or maybe March. And um, you've had it up now for a few months, and I'd love to hear your perspective on things that you've learned about Noster in that time span. Like, have your views on Noster changed? Are you impressed or concerned about the opportunities for earning revenue on Noster? Would love just your, your lay of the land over the last two or three months, and how has that evolved over time?
0: Yeah, I think I think we start off super optimistic like wow, you know, new um new protocol which is super simple, it makes sense, backed by Jack Dorsey um and you know, getting a lot of hype, you know, from the Bitcoin community. Um which we're like were super excited about and then obviously if you're looking if you're following the stats um on that Nosta Explorer, you'll see like the the user numbers were like insane, like in a very short amount of time. It's like yes, that that, that might be actually a feasible business model for us. You know, That's why we started looking into building something um, like a you know paid relay. Um, but um, I think what sort of like um, sort of sort of what what sort of trickled through then in the end uh, or, or, you know now is that it's it's very. Um, yeah, first of all, the the, the user the, the so the, the user activity has dropped dramatically um, in the last month or two. So you know, I think we were like at one point at like a million and a half or something, but now we're down to like two hundred or something, two hundred k. Um, is that it's it's pretty much you know a lot of the same people in, in that in that um on, on Noster. I mean, we have obviously like famous people come in, you know, every now and again join Noster, but like the, 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 the ecosystem within it, it's very similar to the to the one in um, you know just generally like you know the, the early adopters Bitcoin people um and so on. So it, it I think it kind of still needed to sort of catch on to I guess people from outside this whole ecosystem. I think and I think that's sort of like that's not what we saw. It was sort of an echo chamber a little bit. And you know, uh, which sort of made us realize that, hmm, you know, it will probably happen, but like not as pace as we think because it was just a lot of hype at the beginning and, and sort of died down. Um, but I think the, the, the all the applications have been built, like how it started out with like these, these, all these clients being like super bad in terms of like user experience, they were laggy, you know, they weren't really working. And we have come a long way. So I was actually impressed with all the, you know, developer work that you know, went uh, goes on in there. But I think, it, um, yeah it basically started off really really um, sort of you know hyped up but then sort of like hit a wall a little bit and it died down and I think now so we are sort of looking at the reality of it and I think to actually make sort of, or run a profitable Nostar relay you know you are you know you probably you know it probably will take some time for this to actually you know happen um, but then again, like I'm, I'm not, I'm, we're not a super like expert on on, on because it's just was well, a side project. But obviously, we've seen some of our subscriptions going up at the beginning, but then sort of like hit a wall, in a way. Um, mm. So, and yeah, I mean, it's just, just I guess anecdotal, uh, anecdotally what we see. But um, I think ultimately, I think it will be, it will become a way of you know generating a decent revenue because building like good relays, that's what we realized is really hard. Because, you know, spam filtering is not easy um, and curating um, content is also not very easy. So I think, you know, people will pay quite a bit of money to get these um, extra services. Right.
1: And has your view on the actual subscription model changed? Like you, you started with this experiment of like charging on a monthly basis. Is that the right way to monetize on Noster and is... Is the path for you know other companies to monetize on Noster? Should should they all be taking that path, or, or should they be exploring other monetization strategies? Like if you were to start over again,
0: um, I think it's it's a um, I think it's a sound um, way of generating revenue. I, I think you know the. I think what we realize is that there is other things that you can, you know, obviously monetize. <clears throat> There's not just subscription, but you know, pay pay by um, you know message size, for example, because um, you know ultimately you you only only have to prevent. I guess what what this paid subscription does is just prevent spam, like people just um, you know posting stuff that is not of interest to anyone. Um, so. You know, you can obviously charge for different actions. You know, it might be a subscription, but it might also just be like amount of messages you send. Like, you know, no sane person sends a thousand messages a day, um, or like post thousand messages or uh, notes. Um, so you, you know, you can just basically monetize different actions. I think there there will be probably better or cooler ways to do that rather than just plain subscription. Um, but I think you know I mean it's obviously you know going down like the more traditional route um, I think that's that will also be possible for you know to to have target advertisement you know like I think that's that's the same thing again like you know people will probably try that um, if if there's enough users on the on the network um, but right now I think uh, because it is so hard to build a good relay I think it is easy to extract value from the develop, development work that goes into building these good relays that for now, I think that's um, probably the best business model by monetizing, you know, obviously in different strategies, but like just generally monetizing the user experience of the, the relay itself. I think, you know, that 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 seems to be, at least, you know, in my eyes right now, uh, a pretty solid way to go down.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Now you mentioned that in the last month or two, you've noticed that Noster activity has pulled back significantly. What do yeah. you think are the contributors to that? And what are the big constraints that have to be solved to bring in the next wave of people?
0: I think, you know, I think the reason it might just be generally always it's it's just a you know, like sort of a cultural phenomenon. Like people says, "Oh yeah, cool. This is this is there's no um, there's no you know censorship, censorship resistance. You know, somewhat private. It's there's no ads. Um, there's no bots. But then, like people just, I guess at least I, I, I quickly realized is that it's just the same people um, posting a lot of stuff. So the content was like <clears throat> it wasn't it wasn't you know very diverse." Um, and then also, you know, spam picked up quite a bit. So it was really hard to actually filter. And so the, the, the spam filtering wasn't really keeping up. Um, I mean, that, that was, that, that's that was also a problem. And, um, yeah, I mean, I mean, um, so yeah, I think this is, I think this was a primary trigger to like, you know, sort of like decrease sort of the, the, activity of users on the, uh, on the network. Um, but I think, you know, going, you know, going forward, what needs to happen? I think, you know, I, I think it can, it can just like naturally just grow slowly over time, but I think what, what, what will probably need to happen is just another like big sort of, um, um, shock. To like traditional like um, platforms because that that's always brings like a massive, you know, a massive amount of new users into a new social network is you know because something else sort of didn't work properly. Otherwise, it's quite so because why would why would I go to Nosta right now? Like, there's no there's no like good reasons really. You know, I think a lot of the initial sort of um, influx of people was also due to like you know whole Twitter thing. Um, so people were like very dissatisfied with that. And I think something like that, sh- you know, needs to happen again and again, and then more and more people will just stick and, and so on. And I guess you also want the right people on these, um, on these networks. I think, um, I think Barack Obama just joined not something. I think I saw that on Twitter, um, which is great. Obviously like all these people will drive, like, or bring people over. Um, yeah, but it needs to have, like a joint support. Um, so yeah, this is sort of my view on that.
1: Okay. Let's finish this off with a really quick rapid-fire round. I do at the end of every show. It's called the Lightning Round. Are you ready? Go. Cool. I hope you're enjoying the show so far. Just a quick message from our sponsor, StackWork. StackWork is a lightning-powered platform for generating high-quality transcripts of all your audio or video content. They combine AI engines and hundreds of human workers all over the world who are paid over the Lightning Network to assemble these transcripts. And that's what lets Stackwork create better, faster, and less expensive transcripts. To see the results for yourself, you can check out my personal website where I host transcripts for all my podcast episodes. If you want to learn more about Stackwork, visit stackwork.com. That is S-T-A-K-work.com. All right. First question for you. If you could only hold one asset for the next 10 years and it could not be Bitcoin, which (laughs) asset would it be? ETH probably.
0: Ethereum. Interesting. How come? Um I mean biggest network value. Again, I guess playing it safe. Um you know. I'm pretty straightforward with these things. Yeah. 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 I mean I'd be happy Bitcoin is probably the most the most stable sort of like asset out there.
1: Interesting. Um is there any book that has meaningfully changed your view of the world? Um,
0: there's a, a book I really liked was a uh, um, Short Answers to Big Questions by Stephen Hawking. That was a really good one, I'm sure you read that, but um, that was yeah.
1: If there was if you could change one thing about the Lightning Network, what would you change?
0: I would, um, that's a good question. What would I change? Um, <laughs> Um, I guess I would.
1: Um, maybe some native subscriptions.
0: Yeah, I was. Yeah, I mean that, that's more of a Oster thing, but um, I, w- I would I would love to use it. Um, I would love to use notes like with with um hardware wallets, remote signing. I'm not sure actually whether that feature exists. I think it does now, but maybe not. But I I would like to use my my ledger with um some sort of better security model of, like, um, making payments uh, that require some sort of, like, cold storage.
1: Mm. interesting. And then finally, last question, who's one person in the Bitcoin and Lightning community that you'd like to give a shout-out to for doing great work?
0: Um, I'm not actually that much into... Um, I'm not following. So, I think um, one person that has really supported us uh, was, you know, throughout the whole journey um, of Collider um, uh, was Nick, um, who's also one of our investors, Nick Carter. Um, I think he has, yeah, has played a massive role for us. Um, so, yeah, I would, you know, give him a shout out. Um, he has been very helpful and big supporter. So, yeah.
1: Awesome. Thank you so much for taking the time to chat today. I learned a lot, and I hope listeners did as well. Uh, where can folks go to learn more about you and Collider?
0: So um, people can reach me on Telegram, um, at Konstantin at Wu, um, or on Twitter at Constiv, Um or just go to our website, um, collider.xyz, um, find everything there, basically our blog, our Twitter, um yeah awesome
1: thanks again for the time hope we can do it again soon
0: thanks kevin for having me have a good one
1: in the last 30 days you guys sent in 52,790 sats that came in from 47 different supporters big shout out to everyone who has been donating we have a lot of comments to go through as well let's see how far back we can go we have on episode 105 here, we have, uh, this is in response to Lisa Nyget. Um Odium sent in 3000 sats and said, Nifty is great and Kevin is really good at asking the truly interesting questions with uh, one of these emojis. So thank you Odium for the sats and the kind words. We have Mars Sats who has been creating lots of clips on Fountain. Thank you Mars Sats for that, sharing the show more widely. Uh, Michael Machuleff says, Great conversation. Thanks. Again, in response to episode 105 with Lisa Nyget, uh, North of the Wall sent in 2,121 sats and said, Fountain is outstanding. Did you know that the Fountain team only consists of four employees? If you can, show Fountain some support with Fountain Premium so that Oscar and his team can develop an even better product. Thank you for the kind words about Fountain North of the Wall. I did know it's a very small team. They're working really hard and uh, I'm impressed with all the the progress they keep making. Blockchain Boog sent in 500 sats uh, a few different times and said it's 2023 and capacity is now 5,500 Bitcoin on lightning. Still hard to do a one Bitcoin payment. And this is in response to episode nine with the Boltz co-founder. And this is an episode I did about a year ago. Um, so thank you, Blockchain Boog, for for bringing that episode back, and um, appreciate all the the boost you sent in a number here, five hundred sats, a thousand sats. Uh, really appreciate all the support. We have Aman Seuss who created a clip of the show. Thank you. We have uh, a comment on stacking sats number three with Ben Justman said, "I would love to learn more about earning." stars. I think they mean earning sats. I have been looking through games mostly in the Fountain app. Thank you for your help. I'll take any more info you have. If you are looking to earn sats and not stars, I recommend checking out the website that I built called stacksats.how. It shows you all the different ways in which you can earn sats today. There's about 80 plus apps listed there. All the guides, all the stories of people earning sats are going to be listed there. So definitely check that out. Um, and again, thank you to everyone who has been supporting the show. It means a lot. We've got a lot more episodes coming up shortly, so stay tuned. And I can't wait to see what you guys send in this week.